to The B-Sides, a podcast for progressives who love pop music. We're your hosts. I'm Hannah. I'm Mimi. And I'm Becky. Tune in for new episodes every other Wednesday to hear our conversations on pop's place in our world. And the music you should put in your ears to fuel your reckoning with the trash fires all around us. Thanks for tuning in. Here we go. Welcome to The B-Sides, season three, let's go. Ooh. Let's go. The B-Sides is a podcast for people who love Carly Rae Jepsen and want to see the fall of capitalism in our time. And we came back for you, baby. Season three, here it is. We're so excited to be back in your ears. And we're so glad that you're here. So subscribe if you haven't already. We come out every other Wednesday, so subscribing makes it way easier to keep up and open up the description of this episode to find other ways to join this internet home. So today is a big day. Um, Lots happened yesterday. We are recording this on Saturday, October 22nd, 2022, and we are going to review Midnight's, Taylor Swift's new album. And we also want to give a shout out to Carly Rae Jepsen's new album, The Loneliest Time as well. Both albums came out Friday, October 21st of this year, and we are so excited that we get to live in an era with both of these wonderful artists. Um, Oh, and Megan Trainer, whose album I just, you know, I have to confess, haven't gotten the chance to to listen to just yet, but which are the best? (laughs) And the Um, Arctic Monkeys. Oh, yeah? Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. We got a lot to catch up on, man. Okay, um, we have some season three announcements for you that we're very excited about. So firstly, let's talk about our Patreon. Yes, we are elated to announce that we are now offering exciting Patreon rewards. If you join our Patreon for $5 a month, you'll receive a playlist, one playlist a month connected with a podcast episode thematically behind the scenes content like pictures and brainstorms and then we're also aiming for one bonus episode a month or every other month um we don't promise that they won't be silly nonsense that was a lot of double negatives but hopefully (laughs) the idea came across um and you know separate topics or musings that didn't make the final cut more unfiltered stuff um would would make its way to you if you join the patreon Yeah, we also wanted to thank our patrons. Up until now, you've been patrons simply because you wanted to see this effort continue with no guaranteed perks. And like, that's incredible. And we're so thankful for you. So thank you to Emily K, Hannah M, Celeste L, Indigo TH, Hannah B, Brett S, Margot B, Katie S, and Jordan W. You're truly our heroes, not our anti-heroes, our heroes. But it's you. It's not not the problem, problem. (laughs) not the problem. It's you. Um, If you are the problem and you want to join us on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash the B sides. Um, And you can also email us at listen to the B sides at gmail.com with any questions, suggestions, and ideas. We love it. We love to see it. So that's announcement number one. Announcement number two is we now have a merch storefront on Tee Public. Um, we have a few t-shirt options on there um, and we're excited about that. There's other goodies that you can turn our um, 
you know, art into like uh, phone cases and tote bags. So we're excited to have a merch storefront. Let us know if you want to see anything specific. Um, the link to that is in the show notes. And finally, it's been a minute since we've spoken to you. So let's quickly go over the ways you can join our internet home. So first and foremost, these days is our discord. I I've said it once and I will say it again. It's like just such a happy place on the internet. Um, so the link to join it is in the show notes, of course. If you've never even heard of Discord before, or if you've like generally heard of it, but don't really understand it, I really promise you it's a great, great place to be for fun pop music conversations. Um, I was very intimidated by the concept of Discord for a while, as um, many of you all know, and I'm so glad that we finally bit the bullet and made a Discord. Um, so jump on in and say hi. Very friendly place. And then maybe a not so friendly place. Uh, we do in fact have a TikTok, which I want to shout out Hannah here because she makes most of the content there and it is super incredible. And she has in fact gone viral. So please check us out on TikTok. Do not be intimidated there. The water is fine. And we also have an Instagram, which is where we'll probably speak directly to you all the most and Twitter and Facebook too. We are heavily online and that is all linked below. So we love that this podcast is in fact more than just a podcast. It's true. Um, but at the end of the day, it also is a podcast. So let's get into it. Let's dive into our season three premiere episode 45. Um, here is what we're going to do today. We have a few segments because we have a lot of, a lot of feelings about midnights. So here is um, the agenda for today's conversation. First, we're going to have rapid fire one word or phrase takes. Then we're going to go into some of our top line reaction reactions. And then we have some superlatives and awards to give out like the that's so Tay award and the Mr. New Jersey award for best Jack moment or song, et cetera. Um, and then we ha- want to have more of an open conversation and make sure that all of our takes get from our brains into this episode. And then we are going to talk uh, more briefly about the loneliest time by Carly Rae Jepsen. That's what we're going to do today. All right. One word or phrase about how you're feeling. Let's go Mimi, Becky, Hannah. How are you feeling about midnights? Overwhelmed yet underwhelmed. Mimi, I shit you not. I was going to say whelmed. (gasps) All right. Wow. Okay. Becky has a more succinct answer, but basically the same idea medium love to see it um mine is protective uh-oh oh no <laughs> i know not defensive oh, well let's go into our top line reactions yeah i'm not i'm i'm not like Am going I the drama for it <laughs> is it me <laughs> um i just feel like i really think it's amazing and i feel like it's totally fine if people don't love it but i i really i really do and i feel protective of it yeah what are you some of your top line reactions I really, okay, I enjoy it. And I think it's going to be like evermore for me where I had to listen to it a bunch more to really appreciate it. Um, I think it's a perfect growth from her previous albums. If you even exclude folklore, folklore, what? Oh my God. Folklore. Why <laughs> evermore from that? Because that wasn't anything she was planning to do in a way that like that became situational but I do think this is like the appropriate next step even from that and from lover and reputation in 1989 it's very lyrical it's very storytelling and the music 
is pop, but with more of like a slow undertone, which is very, not even Bleachers, but Red Hearse, which was, um, which is who a lot of the people worked on the album with that are part of Jack's band were part of Red Hearse. Oh, I for- wait, Red Hearse is a, is not a Red former- Hearse, that's the song. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, Red Hearse. No, 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 that's the band. Yeah. Sam Dew and Sonwave were Red Hearse, and that's who produced this album with Jack and Taylor. And you feel so, like you hear that. Definitely. Synth, slow vibes, sad. I love Red Hearse. There were, I love Bleachers, but Red Hearse is, is really awesome too. I like the song Red Hearse. My uh, top line reactions are that, yeah, I was I was underwhelmed by some of the content, but I do think that um, I will grow to like a lot. Some of the songs I really like already, other ones I know I will. And then it's, but it's not a no skips album for me. I, I feel like I already know that. And I also <clears throat> was like very, it was very, clear to me at least like my preference that a lot of her best songs were in the bonus tracks or like buried as she often does which I'm sure we'll talk about more um I did also really like the rollout insofar as it was like 13 songs at midnight and then seven more at 3 a.m because that 3 a.m is like kind of the time whether you're whether you're having insomnia or you're just, or you're having like a really good night and you're out and like things keep unfolding. Like 3 a.m. is the time that you're like, oh, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Cool. Like it may yeah. have been possible until now, but now it's not possible. And like wow. the seven song kind of unfolding even more of a journey, I thought was kind of a good way to, to uh, acknowledge that and, and method act that. So, mm. yeah. Definitely. I feel like um, compared to an album like Reputation, for example, or Lover, for me right now, it's like the highs are not as high, but I feel like there's no lows. Um, Whereas I remember my initial reaction to both Reputation and Lover, where there were some songs I really hated that actually have like since grown on me in some ways, but that I was like, I can't believe she would do this to us and like put this awful song and I don't feel like I I have like no songs that I'm like this is embarrassing (laughs) there's moments where I'm a little cringy and we'll talk about that during the superlatives um but I don't think there's a song that like necessarily that are there are not as many highs on this as there have been in previous albums um I think that I have seen um a lot of people I think as you were kind of alluding to Becky trying to place this in her discography. And I feel like in many ways, I completely agree with you that it's just, this is the next album after, um, after lover, you know, and actually I do think there's folklore and evermore vibes in there as well, especially with Aaron Desner, but this is like, this was what was supposed to be the next album. And I really feel that. And one of the ways I feel that is actually that she is so famous and so successful and will have like the most sold out tour, whatever's next of all time, whatever it was like going to be. She needs to do nothing. And I feel like she kind of felt like she could be a little weird for this album. Like she could kind of make some songs that were poppy, but didn't have a big drop the way other you know, of her more poppy songs have like, this is just the, it's hard to figure out how to make sense of this album. And part of me thinks that she was just like, I'm going to kind of do whatever I want because I literally can. 
Like no one can stop me. I think what upsets me, not upsets me, but that, so it's gotten incredible reviews, obviously, but I think all of her albums are incredible and it took folklore and evermore for like folks in the quote unquote, like mainstream music media or like reviewers to like put her as like, oh, she's actually a really great songwriter. Oh, she's actually a really good lyricist or producing music and make her more seem, I don't know, like deserving of it when I, if the pandemic hadn't happened and those albums hadn't come out, I think that this album may have received more critique than she's getting now. Oh, does that wow. make sense? That like those two albums really, when folklore came out, people were like, holy shit, Taylor Swift is an incredible artist. Like I can see her, I can see why people really like her when like Lover was an amazing album. And so I think Reputation was too. Mm-hmm. And it didn't get the same accolades maybe in the songwriting than it deserved. And I, I think this album, it's not worse than those two. It's just not, in my mind, I think those two albums are better. I've seen the opposite take. I'm not sure which one I agree with, but I've seen people who I've seen people being like, um, how can this come after folklore and evermore, which I think actually because folklore and evermore, the lyrics are just, it was a whole, it was a different project for her. And we, as fans always knew she had it in her. Like this was not, it was not surprising to see those kinds of like poetic and I don't know, just amazing moments and soundscapes too like we were not surprised and I've seen Swifties critique that critique being like just because you showed up in the Swiftie fandom in 2020 and like doesn't mean you can you know disregard all of her other work beforehand like she has she contains multitudes and folklore and evermore like don't have to be um she doesn't have to do it again. She doesn't have to do that exact kind of endeavor again. I'm not meaning the sound. I'm meaning she yeah. can take more risks because she's more respected now oh. by people who aren't Swifties. Wow. Mm-hmm. By like Pitchfork and like all of those outlets or like mainstream media, like people in pop that now like she entered this world in a, di- she released this album in a different way that she's been constantly prior to that, like having to prove herself as an artist or like that she's actually a really great songwriter or that she's a great performer, that she has a great voice. And then now the world kind of accepts that so she can take more risks with her style. I guess it's a little of both. I hear what both of you are saying. I think, um, I think that it's like the world stopped in a way like every new album it's incrementally more like this is going to be the most streamed album of all time and like these people who you never suspect are are listening to it and it's just it's it's actually omnipresent um and I think that folklore and evermore like certainly have built it up to higher than it than it would have been in that sense had it just come after lover um but I also think I've definitely seen some backlash of people being like Taylor Swift is for you know basically like basic women in their 30s or something like that which we didn't really see in with folklore and evermore we had seen previously but I think these voices in some ways are louder than ever because they are like I don't know because they need to get a life or just like log (laughs) off for a day like it's fine Um, But they're just like mad actually at sort of like the level she has now reached and perhaps like don't understand it and can't just be like good for you, not for me. Um, They have to they have to talk about it. So I think it's yeah, 
I don't know. It's an interesting spot to be in. Um, but I also don't, I don't feel like this was for me sonically. Like, I don't feel like this was very experimental at all. I feel like it was very, I'm, I'm getting actually a little tired of like some of the, some of the sound again and again, um, in a way that some can argue sounds cohesive, but others could argue sounds like the same thing in some of the songs again and again. And, um, so I think we'll talk about that more later, but I was like, I wasn't like, wow, we're sort of like breaking new ground here in some sort of way. Shout out to our friend, Jolie, uh, who also had the same thought. Yeah. I think not even like repetitive in Taylor's music, but like repetitive in music at the in current state. Yeah. I think she plays with new like computer settings on Jack's computer, but I think, um, I, I, I think that besides that you're right. And it, I, I don't know if we, let's talk about this later, actually, all of the comparisons between her songs on midnights and previous songs that she's put out and like theories about that. Um, I think in terms of what, uh, uh, if there was a risk, it was more like, there's no shake it off. And there's no, like, there's no, she's not putting out songs like that anymore. She doesn't feel like she needs, there was no lead single. Antihero is the closest we get, but like, there's no, there's nothing like that. And I feel like that's not really a huge risk in the grand scheme of things, but maybe felt like a risk for her. You don't think vigilante shit is bad blood? No, I don't. Hmm. There we can talk about that more. <laughs> thematically, sure. Yeah. But I don't think it, I, I don't think that she, I, I think that Folklore and Evermore um, released her. She said this in like, you know, interviews at the time, like released from the pressure to like make songs that fill a stadium. She's like, I don't care. I'll do. And I think that like, she doesn't karma, need to. Maybe, well, people, people that's what come. I'm saying. That's what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying yeah, yeah. is that I think she has given herself, maybe it was always there, a safety net, you know, like some sort of like gentle surface to land on that kind of releases her from some of those pressures that maybe she felt in the past yeah I guess I feel like it's not a risk when it's like your third album that you've done like that where you haven't released a song in advance totally Um, but you have been building it up for months I think folklore was like sort of a risk but also it was like July 2020 so it was like what is a risk in the scheme of risks let's let's go for it and people are at home and yeah totally I totally agree I I'm here to fight. I think track twos are better than track fives. Ooh, you're a maroon girl. I'm a maroon girl. I'm a cruel summer girl. Yeah. I'm a champagne problems. Oh my um, God. Cardigan. Isn't cardigan track two? Yes. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, I think Holy Ground is, hold on. I think Holy Ground is. is Holy Ground is track 10. Oh, damn. Well, I take it. I, my comment still stands. Hold on. <laughs> Fearless. I stand, I stand by track twos. I'm here for that. This track five doesn't do it for me in the same way that Maroon does. Oh my God. This is, that's one of my favorite songs on the album. You're on your own kid. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with it. It builds like the Archer builds. Yeah. I felt, it felt like the Archer to me in that way, but even better. I don't, I, it took me a while to listen before I actually felt like I was following the storyline and could like place it in her timeline. I think it's about her being pretty young um like a pretty earlier version of herself took me a while to kind of like wrap my head around it but I love it I'm so sorry I need to edit it's 15 on fearless is okay Uh uh-huh track two blank space red sparks fly cruel summer end game 
Wow. Okay, burned. besides Endgame, this is great. This is yeah, great stuff. Besides Endgame, she falls off there. But Bella and Sheeran rapping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about we take a short break and when we come back, let's give out some awards and superlatives. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. All right. So we have some superlatives. We have a number of awards we're going to give out. Um, Let's start with the award called That's So Tay. The award for the song or moment or lyric that is just so Taylor Allison Swift. Mimi, why don't you start? Okay. So I'm thinking of two. So I'm just going to say one and then I'm going to see if either of you say the other. Yeah. And then if not, then I'd like to say my other one, if that's okay. I feel that way about like every category. So okay, great. Yeah. I feel that way about a lot of them too. Cool. Okay. Um, for this, I took this very literally. The song that is that so Tay is Mastermind, track 13 of the original 12 a.m. midnight album. Um, because she literally says like, I'm a mastermind a bunch of times. And I do feel like she's the Riddler. And if anyone wants, um, if you're listening and you would like a Photoshop of um, Taylor Swift, like as the Riddler in the Riddler costume, like very camp, just let me know or or let us know on, on Instagram or email. Listen to the B-sides at gmail.com. Um, I, I just feel like that is very, like, she's like, I am a mastermind. And I know she's not talking about like all the things that she does and all of her easter eggs and like all of her nonsense but i just uh i was like yeah that's that's fitting she is what about you uh for me mine was the lyric from karma karma is a cat purring in my lap (laughs) because she loves cats she loves her cats that is so tay so tay (laughs) um mine was the word hi in anti-hero specifically the time I don't know about two-thirds of the way where she kind of the music kind of goes away and she's more like speaking and she's like hi (laughs) maybe you know what I'm talking about maybe not and if not I just think the concept of her being like it's me hi feels so Taylor to me I don't even know why maybe just because she always says hi it's me I hear that (laughs) yeah yeah she does yeah and I saw that in the video and I was like "Mm mm-hmm yeah Mm mm-hmm Okay. Well, um, if I can say my other one, yeah, it's, it's in question when she says, can I ask you a question? And then the question is like four sub questions and it's like eight sentences long <laughs> and it's very pointed and, uh, specific and loaded and accusatory. And then, it, and then she says, it's just a question that seemed very her too. I love that moment because I hate when people say that oh, it's just a question or even just like, oh, I was just being honest or any, just anything. I like hate it. And I felt like she 
access to that of like, there's no just a question. There's no just anything like exactly as you were saying, it's so pointed. It's so accusatory. I love that. Yeah. I also don't like when people say, even though I'm sure I say it, like, can I ask you a question? And then inevitably there are some people who are like, well, you just did. Yeah. And then I'm like, I want to leave this conversation. (laughs) So, um, yeah, yeah, totally. I love it. Okay. Our next category is the most Midnight's E song from Midnight's. Uh, This has to shout out to my favorite song on the album Maroon, uh, because I, I, I don't forgot where I read, maybe it was on Reddit or something that someone pointed out like Maroon is the color of a bruise. Um, and when I think about things that happen at midnight, I think about abuse. So that is where my, my brain went. And she does mention like a mark on her collarbone, right? Yeah. That's why they said the song is like Maroon is a, is a bad color. It's not red. It's Maroon. Damn. Um, and it's all my, about like it's try it's a tragic song. It's so good though. A lot of her songs yeah. are sad and they're to- really oh my god, sad, You're beautiful, John. and tragic for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, my most midnighty song is Antihero. I tried to have like a more sophisticated take than a song that wasn't her lead single and 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 uh you know only music video so far, but that's just where I I just think I I think it's the it's the song that embodies like the whole project I actually think potentially to her detriment I think she might have gotten a little bit of tunnel vision with anti-hero thinking that it was like more thematically cohesive with everything else than it actually is if that makes sense um but also like the aesthetic of this era feels like really the aesthetic of anti-hero like it's not the aesthetic of bejeweled it's not the aesthetic of karma like it's in my opinion it's the aesthetic of anti-hero so that's mine. I second that. Oh yeah. I guess I can get into the lyrics slightly. And I, and I realized that it's affected by the fact that there was a video and, and all the press it's been getting, but I think it's the most midnighty song because midnights become my afternoons is like such is, is such a feeling that you have with insomnia or when you're like, me in college through not since age 23 or so but you're like oh I'm gonna be up till 5 a.m so like it's midnight and that feels like after I feel like that is very evocative of of that sort of specific feeling and also I'm the problem it's me is also a big kind of like sleepless night feeling in a number of ways so that's my answer and the lyric I have this that opens with it, that it opens with, I have this thing where I get older, but just never wiser. Mm-hmm. There's so much there. Yeah. There's so much there. I'm like, God, I, yeah, I really feel like it is the thesis statement of the entire album, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our next superlative is the cringiest lyric. So the award for the cringiest lyric from me goes to sexy baby. Yeah, that was one of Mimi's. Um, uh, listen, I've seen TikToks. I understand. I get it. There's like a 30 rock reference. Fine. There's, I don't know. There's, there's other, there's other theories that make this a deep lyric. Fine. I don't care because Taylor Swift talks about babies and children in a sexualized manner 
many times throughout her discography. I was actually thinking of making a little list of all of those and maybe making it a little uh, Patreon bonus episode rant because she has to stop. She has to stop doing it. And I want it to be done. And I like, I'm desperate for it to be over and to have the phrase sexy baby. I just, I'm asking her to please stop. (laughs) Totally. Couldn't agree more. Um, My other one is, so that was, I feel like everyone's a sexy baby and she ends the clause with, but I'm monster on a hill. Okay. Um, The other one, so in Bejeweled, she says, familiarity breeds contempt. So put me in the basement when I want the penthouse of your heart. And that's just like, that's just kind of made me roll my eyes. It's just like not a, it's like a metaphor that is is doing a lot of work and doing so little at the same time. And I was just like, I, I don't know. That, that's just not great writing. It's just like, okay. And she says that more than once. So that's mine. And mine isn't a lyric, but in the antihero video, she steps on the scale and it just says fat. And she could have done this more delicately. Then I I get that she was probably trying to express her like disordered eating or, but it came across as like, oh, the worst thing that can happen to her is that she gains weight. And that's, it's pretty cringy. Yeah, I hear that. Um, I've seen, um, like a, a lot of discourse about this on TikTok that I appreciate with a lot of different perspectives from fat creators, some people being like, fuck you. And some people being like, actually, it's important to talk about the, like a, the oppressive and intrusive and like all consuming anti-fat bias of our society and how that affects like literally everyone, whether or not they are fat. And, but either way, they're kind of, they're, I, there could have been probably a, a more subtle way. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's what she was like trying to maybe get at. And like, we, she's talked about her weight a lot in Miss Americana and like how, like, you know, not looking at photos and whatever the lyric is from like that, or rather look at the sun and look in the mirror. So like that was the context for it. I just, I think she could have done it a little bit more delicately. Some of the metaphors in the anti-hero music video are incredibly, um, they're like layered and subtle and some of them are not subtle at all. And I kind of like that. I, I kind of don't mind it, but I hear that that could be cringy. Mm-hmm. All right. Cringe. We love to be cringe. So the next one I think was, um, previous Taylor Swift album that feels closest to Midnight's and mine I saw someone before I even listened to it someone tweeted like it's like reputation but if she had a gummy first yes and um I couldn't get that out of my head so I guess I'm gonna say that but um you know it's like reputation in some ways but just sort of like in the clouds or underwater or or slower in a lot of places or quieter. Um, but I do want to give honorable mention for what have could have should have one of the bonus tracks. I feel like that song sits right between red and 1989. And that's why I like it so much. I'm seconded to Mimi. And I'm third reputation for sure. It feels like exactly what it is, which is like reputation in her thirties reflecting and like drinking more and maybe taking a weed gummy. Yeah, for sure. I don't feel like it skipped lover in terms of like that trajectory. I think that lover's there too, but I totally agree. 
lovers there for the synth. Yes. That's how she like figured out her synth, her synth love. Um, things that I can't shut up about is sexy baby. I loved it. (laughs) This is the, um, this is the, I can't shut up about this award for the thing you can't shut up about. I didn't, I didn't even give the preference because I wanted to say it before because I couldn't shut up about it. I like the sexy baby 30 rock reference. Also there have been so many good memes for the real housewives of Salt Lake city fans out there with the housewife, Whitney, who like calls herself a sexy baby. And so there's been, so wait, you, you're pro. I'm pro. I think it's funny. Oh my God. That's have great. You seen, so have you seen 30 rock episode about it? No. Oh, okay. So it's yes. Mimi. Yeah, I, I have. And I feel, I also like, do find it funny. Like it's cringe, but I do find it funny. It's an anti-hero, if you will, as far as a lyric goes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's going a little too far, but yeah, I, I did enjoy it in some sense. Once I realized what it was, I was like, oh my God, this is fucking hysterical. I was like, this is funny for my Jenna Maroney, or not Jenna Maroney, for um, like the Tina Fey and, and 30 Rock. I Liz just Lemon. Like, Liz Lemon, imagine like Taylor, like watching 30 Rock whenever she feels down, like the rest of us do. Can mm-hmm. you tell us the reference? It's like an episode on which it's, I don't know, Liz Lemon is like talking, to, is it her aunt or not her aunt, her like someone who's just like, a sexy baby like literally she's like I'm a sexy baby and someone's like stop and she's like I can't I'm a sexy baby <laughs> I love that it's great to bring a different perspective to sexy baby thank you Becky <laughs> <laughs> okay um mine is the last song on 3 a.m edition dear reader um I really love it it's probably not going to be a song I like add to playlists and like becomes my you know top Spotify wrapped song of the year like um in terms of listenability to me, but I just really love it. I specifically love it. And the reason I can't shut up about it is in contrast, I'm sorry to say with Lord's song from the last, her last album, Solar Power called Secrets from a Girl Who's Seen It All. And I had such a strong negative reaction to that song at the time that it came out. And I re-listened to it today to figure out like what, why I was so averse to that song. And I think it was because it's not necessarily Lord's fault, but putting a superlative in the title or putting a declarative, I've seen it all. My initial reaction is like, no, you haven't. I'm sure you've seen a lot, but like you're, you know, there's a, there's a line like you can't wait till you turn 15 and you blink and it's been 10 years. And I'm like, oh, is it hard for you to be 25? Like, are you so old? You know, <laughs> like I just, I really, really did not like Lord's, this is the advice I'm giving you song. I'm imparting to you song. I thought the advice was trite, et cetera. Dear reader is like, she gives some advice. And then the chorus, if you can even call it one is never take advice from someone who's fallen apart. And her voice is distorted in a way that I don't think she's ever, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think she's ever played with autotune like that in a previous song of hers. Like she just, she's not the kind of artist who does that, even though so many contemporary artists do. And it's like, she's basically saying, here's my advice. And also don't listen to me at all. I'm like the worst person to be listening to. And even at the end, she's like, you wouldn't listen to me if you knew more, like if you knew about me and the fact that her voice is like literally falling apart. And she's like, I'm a distorted person. And then there's, um, see, I can't shut up about this, but I'll try soon. Um, there's a line that's like, go find another. And I interpreted that to mean, go find another role model. Like, just because I'm famous doesn't mean you should listen to a thing I say. Um, And I just, that's what 
that's what this kind of song should be. Not secrets from a girl who's seen it all. Sorry, Lord. But this, like, these are some lessons I've learned. These are some things I find important. Um, these are some tongue in cheek references and like, don't ever listen to me. And I just, I love that as a last song, especially. Wow. I feel like I'm learning so much here. No, I do agree. I do agree, but I didn't think of it, but as you say it, I do agree. Yeah. I mean, mine is just like continuing to talk about, like I wrote down bonus tracks are the best. Why? And I do like, I do like some of the original 13, but that, and then, um, the lyric in Snow on the Beach, Now I'm All for You Like Janet. I love that. All for You by Janet Jackson is one of the best songs and videos of all time. It goes really hard. And I was like, I don't know. I just I just like gasped when I heard it. I don't necessarily think it's like great or that. Um, and I saw like Janet's reaction to it was sweet, but. Oh, I, didn't I don't see know. That. What'd she say? Posted it on the Discord, Hannah. Oh, whoops. <laughs> this is All another right. time where it's like, just look up Janet Jackson on Instagram and you'll find it. Um, but no, she just was like, whatever. They had a little exchange over it. And Taylor was like, I love you. I'm so, you know, honored to have you pay attention to me or whatever. Um, so... Yeah, that was just kind of random to me, but I thought it was a little fun too. And I could probably say a lot more about it because I never associate them, but I'm going to leave it there for now. But just know that I could keep talking about it. Love that for you. And sounds like we can continue the conversation in Discord. In the Discord. Okay, great. There's a lot we can't shut up about, but that was a good award. Okay. Our next award goes to the gayest song. Um, I think there were a few contenders for this. My answer was question dot, 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 question mark. Um, That is a song that although it opens with good girl, sad boy, I can't, I just can't really like see it through the lens of a straight relationship. I just, I'm having a hard time. Like it just really feels like a song about an early queer experience and like processing it um the thing that it that confuses me about it also is her use of out of the woods samples my favorite of her songs from 1989 and maybe my favorite of her songs of all time it opens with i remember which is from out of the woods but also the backing tracks of the chorus are like they're like the backing tracks of out of the woods that are like ah. and so she's like really trying to make you think of out of the woods and I have like a a lot of confusing questions about that and timelines and who it's about or what it's about and that's my answer did you hear the uh, theory that it's Selena Gomez no on the backtracks of the song I think there's no basis other than the fact that someone was like that sounds like Selena oh not that it's about Selena but that's no 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 no. that's okay that she's singing on the back of the track. Oh, wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Speaking of, we got a, we got a Selena coming out soon. Oh yeah. We have to talk about that one. That day. preview made me cry. For her documentary? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Keep let's... an eye out. Okay. I can't wait. Okay. I 
um, agree with you, Hannah. I can see all like points points being made there. I chose Maroon because I feel like the Gaylor scholars in my life and on the internet were saying that. And, you know, there's a lot of their lyrics, you know, about like you were my closest friend, Rosé, carnations you had thought were roses. That's uh, the lips I used to call home. Like, it's just, it just seems very, very that. Um, so that's why I chose it. But I'm curious what you all think. Becky, what do you think? Well, I picked Lavender Haze uh, because that's what a lot of the Gaylers were saying that like Lavender is like a queer color. Um, but, she, you know, Taylor said it was about Mad Men. So also like questionably gay show. So, <laughs> uh, but I, I can see all of the, all those arguments um, for a lot of those songs. Hannah said before this that she recorded a seven minute rant that seems potentially related to that. So if you subscribe to our Patreon, you'll be able to hear what it is. It's there. It's uploaded. Yeah. I honestly think that if Taylor Swift is a straight woman who's like been with her relationships have been with men and she's like with Joe Alwyn and that's, that's just what's happening. Then I think Lavender Hayes is a hate crime. (laughs) I think it's like inappropriate if that's the, if that's the case for all the reasons you mentioned and all the history with the word lavender and everything that she must know at this point about you know, the importance that, um, the Gaylor's place on her lyrics and all of that stuff. Yeah. I don't know that the line in Mad Men, like, I think she claims like, oh yeah, this is this like historical term. And I just don't think that's true. (laughs) She's like, I watched a show that was filmed in the 2000s and 2010s about the 1960s and from there I got the historiography of this term right and I'm like nice try nice try mastermind but you didn't fool me this this time (laughs) okay I think our next award is the Miss Americano award now this is like hearkening back to the Miss Americana documentary in 2020 and the idea of her being like, I am an activist now. And like, I, there are a lot of things that run counter to that, but what's like a lyric or a moment or something that runs counter to, to that. Once again, no surprise. I have two. So I'm going to say one of them and then I'm going to see if one of you say the other one. Okay. So um, in vigilante shit, which I believe is like scooter brawn related, she says, well, he was doing lines and crossing all of mine. Someone told his white collar crimes to the FBI. And I just have to say, Taylor, if you are a friend of the FBI, then you are not a friend of mine and you are not a friend of uh, anything progressive. So just know that. And if you're if you're bragging about the idea of being aligned with the FBI, then you need to read a book. <laughs> And I want no part of this. Um, mine was making people watch football for part of her uh, release. No, we don't need to be watching. A, we don't need to be watching football. 
be, they don't need our view. Like they don't need our views. What do they know of these like people watching football? I want to know who talked her into that or like why I kind of get the, I think now that I'm saying out loud, obviously it was Apple music because they're the ones that are now running the Super Bowl party and Super Bowl party, (laughs) Super Bowl halftime show. Um, so it must've been an Apple music thing, but like, no, I thought it was even worse than Apple music. I thought the people who made her do it was Amazon because it's an Amazon. It's like Thursday night football on Amazon prime, Oh, which is even worse. worse. She's just giving Jeff Bezos some money. He doesn't need your money, Taylor. He doesn't need our views. Americana. No, that was a big note for me. She lost me in the very beginning of her promo week with that. That is so funny. Oh my God. Um, mine I think that's a great one Becky um and mine was vigilante shit and the FBI so we are the same Mimi I was like a cab Taylor like I don't know what to say although listen we want to prosecute white collar crimes like yes that's important but I thought the whole song vigilante shit was I think that it was like a different version of mad woman and mad woman was so perfect for in my view it it just accomplished its goals with such precise precision um that I just like, didn't want to hear a different version of it necessarily. I think I'll end up liking it. And like, maybe I'll even dress up as something like that for Halloween. Like, I don't hate it, but it's certainly the Miss Americano award for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe what's your other one? Okay. My other one is from Antihero. And it's when she says, did you hear my covert narcissism? I disguise as altruism, like some kind of congressman. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I did hear that. I heard it. I saw it. Um, and I, in that documentary. And, uh, so that's my other one. See, I eat that shit up. I love that song. I, I love it too. I, oh yeah. Okay, okay. I love it too. I it's just not think it's like, hello. I think she's like, she's like hiding in plain sight kind of thing. I love, I thought that was like a great lyrical, yeah. uh, like three sort of three pieces together. Um, I wasn't like, I hate listening to this, but I was like, it is, it goes against, does it go against the message of Miss Americana? I don't know. It's, it's part of the trajectory of what we've seen of like this, like I'm an activist now, except actually like, I'm not really going to do anything. Bye. Bye. Um, okay. We have two awards left and I'm really excited to have Becky, um, our resident Jack Antonoff expert introduce the next award. Uh, this award is the Mr. New Jersey award for best Jack moment or song. And I think I kind of touched on this earlier, but the entire album, and I hate to say this, I don't necessarily think I like, I like that aspect enough is like very Jack with like the synths and the, the beats and like the buildup in that way. But so I don't have like an exact moment. I think it's like literally the entire album. And I think the bonus tracks are better because Aaron Dresner does them. And she really does excellent storytelling with him. And my favorite song is Tie and Fidelity. And I think that's like a beautiful song. And then is, where was she on April 29th? Oh, we have to find out. April 29th, 2016, I think was, was the Calvin Gala, Harris, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, okay. Totally agree with all of that. Um, I had two, um, Maybe I'll do, uh, I'll pull a Mimi and say one, but I don't think, I think they're pretty random. So we'll see if, if Mimi uh, agrees with them. Um, so my, f- my first that I'll share is um, the boop boops on Bejeweled in the chorus, best believe 
what, how does it go? It's in the chorus of Bejeweled. Maybe, I don't remember exactly how it goes. Like, best believe I'm still Bejeweled or whatever. In the back, there's boop, 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 boop. And I just feel like I can see Jack over his like piano and or computer just being like, I really, I just felt it. I felt Jack's presence. I didn't even, I wasn't even going to check if he was a producer on that song because I was just like so sure. And then I was like, I should just like actually make sure. And of course, of course he was. Yeah. That's, that's the moment, the boop boops. Nice. Mine was, well, I love New Jersey, but like I said, and I'm a little afraid to say in front of the two of you, but it sounds like we're somewhat in agreement here is that I'm, I'm getting a little tired of some of his production. And so every time there was a kick drum, which like just about every song started with that he worked on reverb stacked vocals um every time something sounded like it was underwater or like really high in the sky those were those were the those were the jack moments and there were a ton of them and i'm a little tired of them in some cases but those are he gets the award for using the kick drum more than anyone else i know his bleachers album is not really like this mm-hmm. so i think it must be when he like worked with women because this was kind of like solar power which i didn't love mm-hmm. oh i didn't think about that either i mean i think like so my other one that i was going to share was just the song labyrinth in general there's just like you really can tell that he was like taylor can i just like play with my computer for a while and she was like yeah do whatever you want like and i actually think it's mostly really great um it's one of those things where it's like, if I decide later, I haven't decided about Labyrinth yet. If I decide I love the song, then I will love the Jack computer boops. And if I decide I don't like the song, then I will be resentful of the Jack computer boops. So jury's out. Um, Mimi, I think that's something that you're making me think about because I completely agree is like, sometimes Taylor Swift is a little bit too prolific for her own good, but she can't, she literally... I, she literally wants to write songs all the time and she wants to put out albums. Clearly she's like always excited. And personally, I actually think we could have used more time. Um, I, I wish like we could have used another year of like maybe re-records, but like not a new album. I was not expecting this anytime soon. And I think we would have seen just a further departure, but then part of me is like, who am I to tell her to make everything so different and so unique. Like what if she just wants to put out this song that she really loves? Like, who am I to say, don't do it. But the consequences of doing that and being prolific and putting out so much stuff is that some of her listeners are going to say, okay, we get it. We've heard it. Let's see something else. And so I'm sure that's a calculation. Maybe, maybe it's a calculation that she made. Or maybe she just is enamored by her own stuff and Jack's stuff. Yeah, could be. We are on our last award. This is the award for which lyric would be your AIM away message. Um, I have two. One that I actually think I might have used in the t- in the era when away messages, especially, were used for like secret messages to crushes. And one is like my real away message, if that makes sense. So my first is I'm only cryptic and Machiavellian because I, cause I care. I feel like I was so cryptic and Machiavellian 
maybe more cryptic than Machiavellian in sixth grade um, <laughs> about away messages and crushes. And I feel like that would have just like, and honestly, even like in high school, my G, my G chat away message was always like a Taylor Swift lyric that was like directed at a very specific boy who literally never noticed. So I might've used that. And then my real one in terms of like the away message of my life would be, I'm just too soft for all of it. But at the end of the day, I'm just a baby. Just not a sexy baby, baby, just a baby. <laughs> not a sexy baby, just a baby just to clarify. Just a baby. I'm not sexy, just a <laughs> tiny baby. That's mine. Oh, I love that. Mine is from Karma. Because Karma's really that girl in, in a way. I mean, there's something, there's something for everyone and there's something in every song, I think. But I think um, I keep my side of the street clean. You wouldn't know what I mean. And then some of the other lyrics from Karma too, I think I would pull, sometimes I couldn't decide. So sometimes it would be like a really like pithy short thing. And then other times it would be like at least half of a verse. So like Karma is my boyfriend, breeze in my hair on the weekend, you know, that kind of thing. And I also love, I just want to say here that this song is connected to this iPod commercial or a song that was in an iPod commercial um, in the 2000s called Music is My Hot Hot Sex by CSS, which is, I think, like a Brazilian group. And uh, and they had lyrics that was like, music is my boyfriend and like music is my, like it just is, is similar in a lot of ways. And I do think it's connected on purpose. And that's another reason to make it an AIM uh, away message is is the timeliness of that. And uh, I think it's the kind of thing that only like some Maybe it's not connected at all, but I really think it is. And uh, it's sort of like a millennial, maybe sort of Gen X kind of thing. Fascinating. Who knew? I took the emo route as uh, Hannah knows me back in high school and middle school. And this song would have no meaning in my actual life in high school or middle school, but it is from my favorite song. Well, Maroon and High Infidelity but this is from high infidelity. You know, there's many different ways that you can kill the one you love. The slowest way is never loving them enough. Deeply emotional lyric. Becky, Very sad. One of the early things I learned from you is that you had like lyrics from the used on your. <laughs> yeah. And I would get so mad at my friend because she would also use them, but she wouldn't actually listen to the music. She just would take the sad lyric for whatever emotion she was. And I was like, you can't do that. Like, you don't yeah. even know the song. <laughs> that would make me so mad. So I hear yeah. it. It made me mad, but that lyric is so beautifully broken and mm-hmm. it would have been that with like a broken heart. Oh, like, a broken heart. Wow. Don't call. <laughs> Don't text. Don't call. Won't respond with that quote. quote. Cell is off. Yeah, right. Cell is off away for like the next four hours. Shower, but like the shower message is on for 10 hours. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it would have been for me. Oh my God. What amazing awards. Everyone's a winner. Everyone's a loser. There's so much to say there. Um, And I feel like there's, yeah, there's still more we want to say about this album. Um, I thought maybe what we could talk about um, is the, because we've mentioned it a few times, so let's maybe give it, give it some airtime, the similarities between these songs from this album and her previous work. 
Okay. So let's talk about um, the songs on this album that sounds like that sound like songs on other albums. First and foremost, just did you did you notice this either of you? Like, did I feel like I it, some songs really stood out to me as sounding like other songs? Did you guys notice that? Oh, I knew question dot 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 was she was using nineteen eighty and she was using out of the woods. Like I knew that headed into the album, yeah. but I don't know if I would have noticed it had I not known that. I feel like there are moments in a lot of songs like that, but I. I don't feel like super prepared to sort of point them out because I feel like for me, the more I listen, the more I hear them sometimes, sometimes I hear them right away. And then other times I hear them. So I'm like, there were moments where I thought about it, but I didn't write them down. And so I'm like, that could have been any of these three songs sort of at this moment. Whereas like a few weeks from now, I'll, I'll probably know for sure, but I certainly didn't feel too much like a new sound in a lot of ways and in some ways I felt like it like I said earlier in what is it would have could have should have I can't remember the order would have comes first it's uh it's it's like a it harkens back to like a much older era and by much older I mean like you know eight to nine years ago yeah um and and yeah, but I don't know. I felt I felt like there uh, were a lot of similarities. What are some What are some moments, Hannah, that you wanted to highlight with that? Um, well, I started noticing a few, and I started writing them down. Not even necessarily intending to talk about it this episode, um, but I do have a few, and I didn't write down all of them. And I wish that I had just for this moment, because obviously your brain kind of breaks. Um, the lav- in lavender haze, kind of in as it intros into one of the last choruses which I can't picture exactly how it goes it sounds like the end of um I think he knows where it's like he got my heart beat skipping down 16th like it kind of like goes into that that's one um in maroon there's a line that maybe Becky as our maroon expert although we all like the song so I don't mean to single you out you might be able to help me remember how it goes the carnations you thought were roses or something it sounds I, I don't know. I don't know the lyrics by heart yet. I've only listened to it four times, but it sounds like the same. And na 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 na. My broken bones are, bones mending, are mending from all yeah. these nights we're spending. Exactly. I can't remember exactly how it goes. So crush. It's very Jack Antonoff. Yes, he that was dress, definitely so. One. It's totally. Yeah. That's from Dress. But that's why I like. That's why I like Maroon. Oh, totally. It's all yeah. Um, it's a very similar. Uh, it's it's when it's when I think her song's the strongest cruel summer it's similar to cruel summer too I think oh yeah um the two other ones I wrote down was snow at the beach sounds like don't call me kid don't call me baby from illicit affairs and then do you really want to know where I was April 29th sounds like her song called renegade with big red machine Aaron whatever Desner um where it goes do you really want to talk about timing and times like these like just the beginning do you really want to I feel like they're said in the same like tune and cadence and melody I mean she has so many songs at this point that of course I think some of her songs are gonna sound like each other so here's what I wanted to talk about there are TikTok and Reddit whatever there are theories that she's doing this on purpose 
that she's like making direct parallels, which we know she does. We know she does that. She calls back to other like songs of hers for sure. That said, I just don't, I think that this is just someone who writes a lot of songs and she writes a lot of songs, even just in the last five years. And some of them just kind of sad. And I don't mean to, she's still a genius. She's still a mastermind. She's brilliant, but she's also just prolific. And she just has a ton of content. And some of that content is going to, so I feel like a lot of people are drawing these parallels and they're like, she's a mastermind. And I'm like, no, she just, I don't know. I think she just has written a lot of songs. I, that's where I land on this. I think she's just written a lot of songs. <laughs> There's one sweet, nothing. Uh-huh. I really like that song a lot. Me too. That sounds like a lot of things to me. And I feel like it just sounds, it just does. And yeah. again, I just think it's a lot of like using a lot of the same producers over the last few years. I think people should take a nap. Yes. And, um, not worry about it, but also maybe they know things. That's easy for me to say. Maybe they know things that I don't know, which is highly, that's, highly possible. That's the one song without Jack. <laughs> Sweet. Nothing. Yeah. That's with William yeah. Bowery. Yeah. AKA her boyfriend, Joe Allen. Yeah. No, that reminded me of a different time. That felt like a breath of fresh air to me, to be honest. And I don't even love the, the William Bowery songs, the best um, on previous albums. So. But you were like, are. wow, I really needed this. When you get, I was it. like, oxygen. Damn. No, um, no, I like this. I think I like the songs before it too, but yeah. You know, what's a bummer about this album, even though it uses Jack Antonoff so heavily. And as we've discussed, perhaps too heavily, I'm not, I'm not being taken to bridge city in so many of these songs. And I'm surprised by that, that the two of them would come. I, I even feel like the concept of a bridge is so midnightsy it's so middle of the nighty it's like the transition from one thing to another and I'm I actually think my favorite bridge is on would have could have should have also that ends with oh my god I'm gonna cry give me back my girlhood it was mine first oh my god amazing but I feel like besides that there's not a lot of bridges in this album that are as amazing not to go back to maroon but I thought it was one of the few songs with like an actual bridge because it it mirrors dress oh in, in my mind sounds like dress yes i hear that and the greatest war shout out that's a great song and that is an aaron dresner oh the great one. war is amazing great war. that's an amazing song it's reminded me of um oh my god afterglow no um oh no just a storytelling oh my god on folklore great american dynasty or the Oh yeah. Just in terms of like one story told the whole way through. Yeah. Wow. That was a song that could have been on folklore and evermore for me, actually. That's what I, that I, I could see it being on any of those because it's evermore and Aaron because it's Aaron. Yeah. yeah. And because the storytelling is so powerful, like it's real. you're, you're like right there in it with her and yeah. her partner, I think. Yeah. That doesn't seem as on theme for an album called midnights as it does for an album called folklore. Or evermore. I mean, what is more folklorish than wars, unfortunately? Yeah. So, yeah. And about like finding warlike metaphors for the wars in your, in your, you know, internal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I actually, I don't, I like this album. I think I like it a little more than you guys, it seems like. 
And I feel like she mostly came here, came like she mostly did what she came here to do. However, she really is focused on this being a concept album. And I think it's just an album. I think there are certainly midnightsy moments. There's middle of the night moments, but it's not, it's not really a collection of restless nights. It's a collection of themes that perhaps have caused restless nights, but it wasn't exactly what I was promised. I feel like I was promised really specifically 13 nights of her life. And I, I, you know, I'm still on only a few listens in. We'll see how I feel in the future, but I'm not seeing, I'm not, the check that she has written has not been cashed with me. Like, I don't see it as what she promised. And I more just wish she had called it an album with a theme, which is what it feels like to me. Yeah. It feels very um, conceptual. It does. And cohesive to me. The sound, the sound does. Yeah. But the storytelling isn't. I think I agree with you that the story, I was expecting more like, oh, that was a midnight that she stayed up in 2011. And, and it, you know, it yeah. harkens back to like speak now and I can like find that parallel, but we didn't go back to December. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I needed it to be so literal, but I guess I thought it was going to be a little more literal than it was perhaps, which maybe is unsophisticated. Uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like that's what she said she was going to do and to be like oh I it was metaphor it's a metaphorical midnight or like you know it's something yeah. that caused me to lose sleep in some way or another for um an undisclosed amount of time like I yeah I thought it was going to be sort of like 13 vignettes yes in that sort of way yeah which is sort of what she had described and I don't feel like she did that. And I also think, you know, like a lot of her previous albums talk about late nights and 2 a.m., of course, like there's a lot of that. So it didn't feel like it didn't feel like a break or a thematic in its own way, separate from um, her previous discography in that way yeah. either. And I do wish it had kind of been, yeah, like 13 different nights of her life. I think that it would have been so interesting. And I think she has the like writing prowess to do something like that. But maybe the inspiration just wasn't there. But she was telling us it was there. She, I don't she think literally we're being too did. literal. She literally said that. And I don't use her words explicitly. <laughs> she used her words, but she was like once again being the Riddler and being like, you know, what I am saying is not what is going to happen or it is but in a twist with with a twist yeah I'm also just like if that's what she thought she was doing then it was then it then it's not coming through like I expected it to Mm -hmm. yeah you would it's surprising to me that there it feels like there are almost fewer 2 a.m middle of the night tonight lyrics than like any other album I haven't done the math on this it's not necessarily true but even some of the uses of the term midnight's that are throughout this are actually not about that night. It's about like, like a midnight rain is any rain. Although there is on midnights like this, that lyric is in that song, which I really love. And that's like, I wanted more of that on midnights. Like I never think of him except on midnights like this. I, that was, I loved that moment. And I thought I was going to get more. Yep. Well, I feel like the song piece drank a whole bottle of red wine by herself and then wrote antihero 
And I feel like that is part of the trajectory of this. And I'm, I'm happy for Taylor. I think, I hope that this album does as well as she wants it to, but as we've discussed, it doesn't need to do anything and she's going to still be on top of the world. But I, there's a lot of growers and not showers in this album for me. And I can feel them growing on me literally every time I listen to them. Um, And I think this is going to be a really special album for me for a long time. Yeah, we'll revisit. I'm sure we'll revisit this and see what our favorites are or what has changed at someday soon. That sounds great. So much to mine. So much there. All right. Final segment. I'm coming back for you, baby. Carly Rae Jepsen, The Loneliest Time. An amazing, amazing album that came out also um, the same day as Midnight's. We are going to come back for her baby and do an episode similar to this one to really give this album, The Loneliest Time, um, the attention that it deserves um, because it's really wonderful and we love Carly Rae and we love what she's done for pop music. So Mimi, Becky, what did you think of this album at first listen? Sad and fun. (laughs) Yes. Yep, I totally she's, agree. Yeah, she's so good at that. Um, I don't, th- to me, this is not an amazing album. I know you just said it is, but sorry, to me, I didn't it mean is... to, I didn't mean to say that the, that was our take for all three of That's us. That's okay. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, I like, I know it'll grow on me and I do sort of like being back in the eighties feel. I think a lot of it is that, um, and there's this sort of like effervescent sadness that she does well. Um, but I don't know, but I do, but I do think track 12, go find yourself or whatever is one of my favorite of her songs ever. And as we talk about bridges, talk about like a twangy instrumental bridge. I love that song. And, um, it's almost five minutes long. And then when it ends, I'm like, wait, it's over, which is how, you know, it's a great song, you know, when it's kind of on the long side already. And you're like, oh, it's like, so all encompassing that song. Yeah. Like you're like, you feel like you're in it. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, and we talked about this in our our bonus episode about a month ago, but um cuz we heard it at Radio City. But yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see. Yeah. I don't I'm not obsessed. Yeah. Um my favorite song is actually the first song on the album. Um is it called Surrender Your Heart? Is that what it's called? Yeah, really Surrender like Your Heart. I love it. Um Sometimes it's, it can be disappointing for your favorite to be the first. Cause it's like, I was like chasing that high for the rest of it. But I think I, I think it'll change over time. I've, I've listened to it. Um, like I have not listened to it enough, so I'm excited to figure out how else I feel about it. And I'm just very happy for her. And I, I, I love this era for her. I love the vibe of it. I love the vulnerability of it. And, um, yeah, I'm excited that we'll have a whole episode about it shortly. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, we don't want to keep you all up too late. I think all of us need to get some sleep. I say, even though it's 4 p.m. on a Saturday, but um, the you know, I think all of us could use some rest. So that's the end of our show, but it's not the end of the conversation. We can't wait to hear what you think. Um, we have heard some of your midnight's takes um, in the Facebook group, on the Discord and Instagram. Um, and we want to hear now your takes on our takes. So meta. If you have a second and you want to support us, we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on your podcast app of choice, um, whether that be Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen to. Um, And until next time, bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to the B-Sides podcast. We want to connect with you. 
Check out the show notes to find our Instagram, Twitter, and join our Facebook group where you can link up with us and other progressives who love pop. Please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already, and consider supporting the B-Sides on Patreon. Until the next time we cut to the feeling, I'm Mimi. I'm Becky. I'm Hannah. 